goes on media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. Time now to hear from Patrick, who's now a successful makeup artist, but he got relentlessly bullied for being gay while growing up in Northern Ireland. I identify as male, mm-hmm. and I, I have an interesting journey with my gender, I think, because I started doing drag, or what I saw as drag when I was about 15, 16. Okay. And then that kind of progressed. I moved to Manchester when I was 18, and I pretty much was wearing full face of makeup, wigs, clothes, everything, every single day. I think I, I moved to Manchester and I was like, oh my God, I can do this. I'm, I'm free to, to wear as much as I want. And where, where would you come from that you couldn't wear what you wanted? Well, I grew up in Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, so I could and I did wear what I wanted. But I think I was always trying to be a little bit respectful of my parents, particularly my mum, because she was a little bit uncomfortable at the time about me wearing makeup and about me wearing wigs and, and looking other yeah, so I moved to Manchester and it all sort of exploded. It kind of all sort of mixed together. It wasn't really drag. I've never really done any performances. Mm. Um, I tried. I failed. <laughs> but you just liked dressing up. I, was I, it dressing up for you? Or yeah, was it? it was dressing up and it still is for me now. And I kind of stopped doing it for a very long time as my career as a makeup artist kicked off. I didn't really have any time. I think there was a good three, four years where I probably didn't put any makeup on at all. But now I'm at a point where... Oh, I wouldn't even know what to call it. I- I'm a man who is gay, <laughs> who likes to wear, who likes to dress as a woman sometimes. But I don't see myself as a drag queen. Oh, okay. But do you see yourself as somewhere on the sort of gender fluid spectrum, maybe? I guess so. But I just don't feel like that term fits with me. No. But it, if you was if you was put a term because everyone likes putting terms on things these days, I would say gender fluid would be appropriate. You would prefer gender fluid than cisgendered male. Well, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that when people yeah. have these conversations i'm like I, I think about it a lot but i don't ever think about oh this is the term that i identify with the most i'm just mm. like oh i'm just i'm patrick and some days i like to look like a lady some days i like to look like a man will you go out uh, shopping or go out and meet your mates dressed as a woman no mm. and, I, and i think that's probably where the the line is in a sense that um where I wouldn't see myself as being gender fluid because mm. for me, gender fluidity is someone who I probably would have been more like that eight, nine years ago when I would go out the house with makeup on and with silly outfits on. In fact, my, one of my university lecturers actually brought me into her office while I was at university and asked me, should we call you anything different? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she said, do we give you a different name? Would you like a different pronoun or anything like that? I was like, no. And I thought... What a stupid question to ask me. I'm just wearing these clothes. <laughs> I didn't understand why why anything was different. But looking back then, I was definitely much more gender fluid. Whereas these days, it's more of just, I like to dress up. Well, that's quite progressive of her, really, to say... Oh, yeah, she was a lovely woman. What's your pronoun? Yeah. That's the right way about it, isn't it? To actually ask the person. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. And I really appreciated that. Looking back, it was a lovely thing of Helen to do. Oh, well done, Helen. <laughs> so, looking back, can you remember the first time that you maybe questioned your sexuality then? Do you know what? I think I always questioned my sexuality. Once I knew what sexuality was, I, I knew I didn't fit into the normal. I remember having imaginary friends as, as a really young boy wow. and I always wanted them to be boys and I always wanted them to be called Tom, which is really weird because if my flatmate listens to this, my flatmate's called Tom so I don't <laughs> want him to think I have a thing for the boys called Tom. Um, <laughs> and I always wanted to hug them mm. and I always wanted them to be close and I remember it being because they were boys. And we have family videos of me when I was a kid, really, really, really young and our next door neighbour, Charles, I'm running around going, Charles, Charles, like calling out for him because... I, I was probably obsessed with him. 
But then I think as I grew up and I realised what sexuality was, it was like, well, this is always something that I've thought I've, I've always been more attracted to boys. And what sort of messages were you getting about people that were male and like boys? If you were at school in Belfast, was it? Yes, I went to school. I went to an all-boys grammar school in Belfast. It was very up itself, one of those kind of really hoity-toity schools. Oh. Everything around me was telling me that everything that I was into, everything I was interested in was wrong. Well, uh, what sort of messages were you hearing? I think from a very young age, I was always someone that was like the victim of bullying. In, in a sense, the, growing up in Northern Ireland with uh, a British accent... Mm. Um, with army family and being quite camp. So you, you were bullied for being English, basically? Yeah, when I was in primary school, it was always, are you English? And getting loads of grief because of my accent. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to secondary school, it turned into, are you a faggot? Are you a gay boy? Gay mm. boy baston, bum boy baston, bums to the walls was always a catchphrase that was said when people would, when I would walk down the uh, the corridor. And how old were you at this stage? Um, I mean, throughout secondary school, so from 12 onwards. It's funny because I, I came out in primary school. Did you? Yes, I did. Well, this is an early one. <laughs> Do tell. I asked a boy to be my boyfriend in primary school. In the last year of primary school. I can't remember how old that would have been. About 11 then, yeah? yeah probably. 10 or 11? The education system is a little bit different in Northern Ireland. And I think you leave a year or, or something mm. later. I can't really remember. But I recall I was very good friends with him. And I fancied him and I wanted him to be my boyfriend. So I asked him. I, I can't remember what he said. I think actually I gave him a note. I remember, I remember sort of slipping him the note when he'd be my boyfriend, but I don't, I don't recall what happened after that. However, I do recall giving him a phone call after school to talk to him because we would every night, and his mum picked up the phone. And I said, hello, um, can I speak to Callum, please? And she said, is this Patrick? I said, yes. He said, well, um, I, I've heard about this fancying thing. So what, <gasps> and I was like, what do you mean? And she said, it needs to stop. It's disgusting. Wow. Yeah, this is coming from, like, this boy's mum, and... This is probably one of the youngest coming-out-as gays that I've heard. Yeah. Like, you were 10 or 11, you tried to get a boyfriend... I tried and then, to get a boyfriend. And then their mother intervened. Yes, and that was kind of... That was that. Because I, I, I remember being on the phone, I remember sitting on my mum's bed, being on the phone and her shouting that down the phone at me, and me thinking, oh, okay, this is wrong, because I didn't really think anything wrong of it, I guess, at the time in primary school. I just wanted to have a boyfriend. But he obviously thought there's something wrong with it, because he went straight home and told his mother. Yeah, I guess so. God. So what happened with the friendship? Um, I mean, that was at the end of primary school, more or less. So I can't quite recall whether or not we stayed friends. We probably did stay friends. But then when I, I went to a different school, you know, secondary school, so I, I, I didn't speak to him again. And then there was one boy from my primary school. I remember went to my grammar school with me. And I remember saying to him, like, don't tell anyone like about the gay mm-hmm. stuff. And that was kind of kept hush hush. And then he started telling people, but oh. not, but not until like our second year of secondary school. And then everything started coming out. <laughs> and then I started sort of playing up to a little bit. Once I came to terms with my sexuality and I wasn't afraid of it, I think I sort of jumped straight into it in a sense that I had a boyfriend. I think I had my first boyfriend when I was fourteen. Wow, thirteen, fourteen, and he lived around the corner from my house. So we would get the school bus with each other. So you, did you ever have any girlfriends or was it just oh, in primary, right into the boys? In primary school, I had so many girlfriends. Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, I had a really lovely sort of like full circle moment recently that my, my, my main girlfriend in primary school, I did her makeup for her wedding recently. That's so cute. I know, isn't that nice? <laughs> but they were just friends, you know. Yeah. They were just like you know, playing kissy chasers in primary school. And yeah, I went into secondary school and I had my first boyfriend when I was about 14. And uh, the, the dramas that that caused, because he, I actually joined the cadet force in my my secondary school, mm. and he was one of the uh, one of the sergeants, 
And he was a little bit older. He must have been about 17 when I was about 14. So everybody obviously found out about that. What was their reaction then? If they, like, previously were calling you bum boy and <laughs> abusing you because you were gay. Yeah. And then they found out you actually had a boyfriend in the school. In the school, in the cadets. When I think back about about those sort of times, I think back on those stories. You know, it, it wasn't all that bad. I got a lot of grief of everybody. Everybody mm. has something to say. I was ostracised from everybody apart from my very, very close-knit friends. But I didn't ever... I think I'm quite lucky in a sense that I, I was never... I was never beaten up. I didn't get that much abuse hurled at me. Although to be ostracised by the majority of your school colleagues has mm. got to be very alienating and ver mm. a very lonely place to be as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think actually probably the most difficult people were some of the teachers. Do they not accept it? No, not at all. I remember one of my house tutor, whoever he was, um, mm. obviously being me, I used to shave my eyebrows off and draw them on again. Of course. Of course. I, I was getting a lot of grief from a lot of people about it. And he looked at me and said, yeah, but you're not really helping yourself, are you? And that, <laughs> that was his way of dealing with it. I'm just going to suck my teeth now. Yeah, yeah, mm. very, very much that. And, mm. and I, look, I think about, well, yeah, there's so many stories from my school. Uh, the head of pastoral care at my school, he told my best friend, my best friend was creating like a, a piece of artwork. And it included a picture of the two of us in makeup. And we got pulled, both of us, into into the school offices to talk about the fact that we were wearing makeup in this picture. And he told my friend Anton that if his any of his children turned out to be gay, that he would disown them. And that's the head of pastoral care at my school. Well, he's in the wrong job. I know. Oh, he was an awful man. So no support at all, then, from anyone in no. terms of authority figures? Yeah. But I think very much that. My, my school wasn't a great place to be gay. And what era was this? The 90s? The noughties? Uh, the noughties. The noughties. It's relatively recent, that, Patrick. Yeah, but Northern Ireland is so back in, in the way. I mean, they've only just got marriage equality. Yeah, um, and abortion rights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And hallelujah, thank God. But they're so, so, so backward. I think part of my journey with coming out was a little bit easier than a lot of my friends because my family are English. Mm. Not to say there aren't lots of very supportive, very open Northern Irish people, because of course there are. But... I guess my family weren't as religious, especially my dad, and um, I didn't really have that that traumatic past of, of living in, in Northern Ireland. So at what stage did you come out to your parents? Then bearing in mind that you were trying to get a boyfriend at the age of 10 <laughs> in primary school and then got one by 14, I'm guessing you came out quite early to them, did you? Well, I came out to my mum earlier. Uh, my dad moved away to Luxembourg when I was about 12, I think. He moved there for work. So basically, he, he wasn't really on the on the scene. So I think I was about 16 when I came out to him, but I came out to my mum probably about 12, 13. And it was a, a conversation, again, sat on the same bed that I phoned Callum Curry from. In fact, I couldn't say the words. I remember trying to say, I, I think I'm gay, and not being able to say gay, and um, saying, I, I have something I want to tell you, but I can't say it. And um, her saying oh, I don't know what it is. And then going through a list of different questions, then eventually we got to the... She's like, are you gay? Like, yes, yes, that's it. And she's okay, right. I think you're a bit young, so maybe we'll have this conversation when you're a little bit older. Like, okay. So then every now and then it was a, do you still think you're gay? Yeah. And that was that was pretty much it for my mum. I mean, my mum was always quite supportive. It's my my older sister is, is gay. And it was my poor sister who had the real hard time coming out to her. Oh, so she came out first? No, she came out later. I came out, oh. so she is five years older than me. Okay. And I, I think she was about 19, 20 when she came out, and it was traumatic. Why? 
my mum would always say, I don't mind gay people. I don't mind like gay men. I just can't stand lesbians. And that was her catchphrase. <laughs> oh, God. And she's very, very much the op- complete opposite that, of that now. I mean, my sister's married. She has a little boy. Um, and my mum loves my sister-in-law with all, mm. all her heart. Uh, I think that's just her, her own prejudice, her own things. And is it just the two of you? No, I have another older sister. Okay. Yeah, she's the, the in inverse commas normal one. Well, no, not normal in your family because you're the majority. <laughs> she's had majority gay children. But, you know, that's, that's the thing we always laugh and joke about, that actually she's the least normal yeah. out of the three of us. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that you said you couldn't use the word gay because there's so many people I've spoken to have had that problem mm-hmm. and, and you kind of wait for that question to come from the parents, don't you? Why, yeah. why do you think it was so difficult for you to say the word out loud to your mum? I guess because everyone's around you is saying that it's 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 wrong, it's bad, and I'm and I'm scared of of what she's going to say. It makes it a little bit easier, doesn't it? If if she can kind of say mm. it for me, and then all I have to do is go, yes, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. And do you not think she might have guessed if that you were shaving your eyebrows off and drawing them on and being into makeup? Or was that a bit later? That was later. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, she she said, oh no, I had no idea. My dad said the same thing actually. Um, did your dad take it fine? Yeah, my dad was fine. We we used to have little holidays with each other in the south of France from when I was between, like, I'd say, 12 and 16. We'd go camping because I would only ever really see him in the summer. So we'd spend two weeks um, camping with each other and we used to get very drunk, which is a bit naughty, really, considering how young I was. But it was a really nice bonding time for us. Mm. And then I think it was probably the last time we went there. I was probably about 16 and I was very, very drunk. And I said, I've got something to tell you. I'm gay. And he was like, oh, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> and because I built up this big, huge thing in my head that, you know, my dad, because he was an army officer, I've never thought of my dad as being a, str- a strong, strapping gentleman, but he, I always presumed he would be the one that would be difficult. And actually, he was really, really easy. And then he cried. I told him because he was happy that I told him. But was his response, I'll still love you and it doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah, very much. Although the one thing that he said that always sticks in my mind is, as long as you don't fall in love with an older man for his money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any reason you were worried about that? I, d- I don't know. I'm still waiting for this old man with lots of money to come along, though. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out with some funny little sentences, and I remember him, you know, sort of like had this really heartfelt moment. He just said, Well, as long as you don't fall in love with an old gentleman because of his money, then everything will be fine. Brilliant. And did, you haven't found them yet, but you have found yourself a partner. I have found myself a partner, um, and he is lovely. And have you done wedding bells? No. I don't think I'd like to get married. No. It doesn't really interest me. No, fair enough. But one thing I think is interesting is that um, you very much reclaimed all that bullying Mm -hmm. that you went through, didn't you? So tell us what you've done to sort of reclaim it in in a positive way. What do you mean? I'm referring to your jewellery. (laughs) Yes, I thought so. I wasn't sure. Um, Well, you may have done other stuff. I don't know. Oh, well, that's the thing. Um, I I guess I did have a lot of abuse, you know, growing up. Being in Northern Ireland, you sort of, it's just standard that if you're gay, sort of visibly gay, you'll have things thrown at you. You'll get tied up to this and you'll have this, that and the others. Really? People tied you up to things? uh, Yeah, my my first boyfriend's brother, he tied me up to a lamppost with um, cable ties. Because you were gay? Yeah, because I was gay with his brother. Oh, I mean, you're laughing about it now, but that sounds quite intense. Yeah, yeah. But then I I laugh about it now because I look back and I just think how stupid. Mm. Like, how stupid of him. He was younger than me as well. But you must have been terrified at the time. Yeah. How did he get out? Well, he actually, he cable tied my school bag mm-hmm. to a lamppost. So I just took the school bag off. <laughs> oh, okay. It wasn't very, it wasn't like I was stranded there for days or anything like that. I, I think he was just trying to 
do something. Make a statement. Yeah, yeah. In a bullying way. Yeah. Mm. It's because I had told him that he was very much in denial of the fact that I was with his brother, but I told him his bed had all these teddies on it. And we were on the school bus going home that day. I said, and, and I sort of like listed out what all the teddies on his bed were. <gasps> so he was very cross. <laughs> you, were te- you were tempting fate a little bit yes, there. Yes, I was. Ooh. I was. But, you know, after sort of all that grief and everything, there was a word that people would throw at me a lot, which was faggots. And I'd hear it so much growing up that I now take so much power from that word. It's such a horrible word, though, isn't it, really? Because it's so derogatory. Yeah, yeah. And how did you feel when people shouted faggot at you across the street? I mean, I didn't like it. (laughs) It wasn't great. When I was really young and I was trying to sort of push those feelings down, I thought, no, no, I'm not. But then as I got a little bit older, I was like, well, yeah, I am. I hope everybody has that moment where they can kind of peer behind the curtain and they realise that actually we're all in life together and we're all kind of, no one really knows what we're doing. Everybody's panicking constantly. When you look behind the curtain, you realise that the Wizard of Oz is this frantic man sort of pulling at levers, trying mm. to trying to be this big, aggressive, you know, thing, like the all-powerful wizard. Mm. Um, and when you look behind the curtain and you realise that actually it's, it is just a feeble little man and that everyone, basically, everyone puts out this big front. And really, mm. we're all the same. We're all these, like, shriveling little panicking people inside, or at least most of us are. Mm. And I think once I sort of realised that, and I realised that these people who are shouting faggot at me, they're probably shouting it for a reason in that they are quivering little scared people inside. Mm, very uh, insecure. And very insecure. And by by doing that, they're deflecting something, God knows what, um, onto me and trying to make themselves, in a weird way, feel a bit better. Mm. Um, by bringing me down, basically. By bringing me down, that makes them feel a little bit better. And I think once I had that peering behind the, the curtain moment, I was like, ah, okay, this isn't about me. This is about them. And actually, I, I didn't care anymore. Hmm. And uh, and now anyone could say God knows what about me, and I don't really care. So, with that being said, I recently bought a necklace that has the word faggot uh, in gorgeous curly gold writing. I, I saw it on a, on a, on this website uh, website selling jock straps, and I thought I have to have that. I just think it's fabulous because it, and I thought and this will spark great conversations, and it already has. And it absolutely did. The first time I met you, Patrick, you were indeed wearing your faggot necklace, and I thought, there is a man that is comfortable being a homosexual. Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. And I, and I think that's really important, because for so long I wasn't comfortable being gay, and now I really am, and I, and I love being gay. And you don't mind the word faggot? No, I don't. It's all about intention, though, isn't it? It's it is. about how it's used. And the word queer has been very much um, reappropriated, hasn't yeah, it, definitely. as well? Because to be called queer in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s, was abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But now people identify as queer. They, yeah. you know, they might not necessarily identify as being gay or lesbian, but they say, my name's Janet and I'm queer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Janet is, but well, yeah. There you go. That's when you said what, was my t- what term mm-hmm. would I like to be. So my name is Patrick and I am a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I identify as. Yes. So what about other coming out stories then? Because everyone has about 95, don't they? So, mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever had to come out of work? I guess you've picked a sort of gay cliche job there, Patrick. Yeah, I don't think I ever have had to come out as work. Although... <laughs> <laughs> interesting this is i guess quite an interesting story so i'm so fluid with my sexuality mm. uh, i probably i guess you could say that i was a little bit pansexual and that i just like okay. what i like I-, I prefer men but mm-hmm. if anything comes along that i like and i get along with the person hey whatever mm. 
And um, I was in a relationship for four years with a trans woman. And that was very interesting for me because I felt I was having to come out constantly. When people would be like, oh, what's your boyfriend like? And I'm like, oh, well, actually, I have a girlfriend. And everyone was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to presume that you were gay. And I'm like, well, actually. <laughs> and it was in this sort of really strange conversation that then I would have to have every time. And I was working as a makeup artist who wore a lot of makeup and mm. wore silly outfits at the time. And that was fascinating for me because I've never really had to have that moment where I was coming out in work or in that sort of situation because I was, like you say, a gay, gay cliche of being a makeup artist. And then everyone being really apologetic to me and like trying not to cause offence because they said that I was gay. I'm like, well, I am kind of gay, but I also have a trans girlfriend. Um, and then I, and then it would lead to conversations like, oh, well, how does that work? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> it just well, does. <laughs> well, exactly. You were just pan, I think, really, yeah, exactly. weren't you? Yeah. So you were you were constantly being mis um, not misgendered, but you were being sort of thrown the um, <laughs> missexualized. You were missexualized. Yes, everyone thought you were gay, and you were in fact straight at that particular moment in time. Yeah. 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 Interesting. That so yeah, really interesting. you've never really had to come out at work then? It's just not no, a thing, is it? Really? I don't think so. No. People would be offended if they're a straight makeup artist, probably, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, they probably would. Yeah. And I'm always very questioning of those makeup artists who say that they are straight. <laughs> Why do you meet some in your line of work? Um, I have come across a few, yeah. Mm. They're always very good, though. So, Patrick, mm. um, would you have any advice to other people coming out as pan or as gay or as bisexual? Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't question yourself. You are valid. You are beautiful. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Do you think it would have helped you hearing those words when you were gotcha. sort of 12, 13? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because I think that all those things, I, I still sometimes don't think, and I have to say to myself, I am valid, I'm beautiful, I'm worthy, because I had so many people telling me that I wasn't. But I, I believe, especially in the UK, there are lots of people, not all of everybody, but there are a lot of people in our society who champion that message. Mm. Um, whereas, in Christ, growing up in Northern Ireland, no one was, really. Uh, the only people that were were, the, were like my drag friends, and, and that was it. The only people that sort of, when I very first sort of met my tribe. And I, I, do you know what, actually, I remember watching RuPaul's Drag Race when it first aired mm. in 2008 or nine, whenever it was, and seeing it, but like, oh my God, this is a thing. This is a thing that's throughout the rest of the world. It's not just five drag queens in Belfast and me, you know. There are plenty of there us. There are plenty of us. We them. are an army. Yes, and now they're everywhere. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Patrick. And thank you for the best Wizard of Oz analogy that I've ever had on the podcast, oh, well, I think. I tried. <laughs> Thank you. So wonderful to catch up with Patrick. And can I recommend his services as a makeup artist? He actually did drag makeup on me once. I look scarily like Jane McDonald, um, but I won't hold that against him. He's a very talented man. If you want to find out exactly what he can do, at WowManPatrick is where to find him on Twitter. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And we'd also really appreciate it if you'd find the time to leave us a rating or a review. To find out more about coming out stories, ask us a question, or even offer your own story for an interview, you can follow us on Twitter at Come Out Stories or at Coming Out Stories Pod on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Emma Goldswell, and Coming Out Stories is edited by Sam Walker and is a What Goes On Media production. Next time you'll hear from Jessie, who grew up in Essex and struggled to come out at school. She didn't really embrace her sexuality until a very eventful trip to the gay nightclub heaven in the 1990s. She went, are you gay? <laughs> and I went, what? I went, yeah. And I couldn't believe I said it. I just went, yeah. And we started kissing.
And it was like the most incredible experience of my entire life. 